Hello and welcome to a Sonic Talk special. Uh, we're very pleased to have Mr. Jamie Liddell, who is here uh, from his Nashville library vibe. This, I, your studio always looks like you need more books or more equipment on the uh, on the racks I there because you've got lots of space. How are you? Well, funnily enough, everything. Thank you, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, yeah, good to see you. Uh, you're just back. I've been on holiday. Yeah, I've been on holiday. Well done. Yeah, that's it. I've. I mean yeah awesome well good to have you back and, <laughs> thank you uh, oh, wait a minute any, I'm, nice? the I'm supposed to be doing the introduction here <laughs> we're both podcasters of course J Jamie is uh, Jamie Liddell Music and we we, we just switch up the roles but um, the reason we're talking to Jamie uh, as a sort of special is because you may have noticed there's the new uh, reverb out from uh, Universal Audio who uh, um, They've, what they've done is they've taken the model of the Capitol Records uh, chambers, which are these kind of mysterious spaces designed by Les Paul underneath the uh, the Capitol building downtown LA. And you were commissioned to do the song. I suppose what I should do is play a bit of the video, really, shouldn't I? Just so that we've got a bit of uh, context, right? That makes sense. Let's do it. Ah, there he goes. Right here it comes. <laughs> so this is this is not an ad. This is just the this is why. But the reason we're talking to Jamie is because. People have just been going crazy for the sound of this and the vibe of it. It's a really, you know, it's one of those situations where the music does all the talking, apart from Al Schmidt. Who's People talk think now. it's magic, you know, but there's something special that happens to the voice in that chamber. There was a rose. Least I how the story goes A time when I was yours And you were mine There in a dream Really the sound of those Man, records. I, I'm going to stop it there because that's the good stuff. I mean, it's lovely to hear Al Schmidt talk. Although I have to say, I heard that and I thought, wow, he really sounds like the Simpsons' grandpa. Really, really, kind of like quite strongly. He's got a lovely voice. It's very fruity, isn't it? It's very specific. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe yeah. they needed to base, you know what I mean? Yeah. They needed someone right. to base it on. They're like, what about that guy, Al? You know, You're he's amazing, right. Al Schmidt. I was watching a documentary about Sam Cooke the other day. And they had Al just on there talking about how what great friends they were. And I was like, what? Al just used to hang with Sam Cooke. And it was just, I don't know, just kind of, I don't know, it, it sort of, it, it got me all emotional. So yeah, Al is, uh, Al is crazy, the real deal. And yeah, this is, this is a pre's, I mean, man, they've done a good job on that plugin. The funny thing I, was, when I recorded the original, I didn't have... Well, they did give me a demo of it, but I'll be honest, I didn't put it on. <laughs> and I just... I didn't know what... It, I put some pre-chintzy verb on, just went, okay, that's... Let them do the magic. I was kind of waiting for it to come back, and it's pretty... It was amazing to hear. It's astonishing. The the, the, well, one of the reasons it's so astonishing is it's... I mean, it's about as minimal as minimal can be. You know, if you took the guitar away, there'd only be one other element, apart from the violin, obviously, yeah. which is coming along. But... It's what what a really uh, the quality of and the sound of it. It sounds like a classic. It almost sounds you're channeling a bit of Nat King Cole by the sounds of things. You know, it's almost. <laughs> were you, what were you? How did you approach this? Because I mean, the, you know, the sound of it is so beautiful and intimate. How did you approach the writing of it? Did you did you have all this in mind, or did it just kind of turn out that way? Yeah, I mean, 
basically what happened was I got an email from UAD saying that they were looking for some music for this. And I thought, oh, oh man, I've got to try and do something for the Capitol Chambers. It's just, you know, the, it's too, it's too, you know, there's too much going on there. Like I said, the legacy and that, I mean, everyone loves those chambers so much. I was like, oh, they're going to just make something so good. So I was buzzing to do something. And then I thought, oh, and then I heard the kinds of things that they were looking for and, and they were minimal. And I thought, oh, there's one song I have already kind of brewing on the hard drives that ultimately I'd left in this sort of early state and really hadn't gone back to it. And there's a lot of songs on my drive like that, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but this one was, a, uh, yeah, it was weird the way I wrote the original. It's a technique that I do from time to time. It's basically I take voice memos on the phone and I'm not a great guitarist. So I'll sit there with a guitar and I'll play and I'll have the lyrics in front of me and I'll just sort of play a chord and then I'll sing a little something and then I'll pause and I'll pause the voice memos and then I'll keep fudging around until I kind of think, oh, that's a nice next chord. And I'll play that next chord and find the next bit of melody and I'll record that and it'll just sort of sequence it in the phone. Oh, oh interesting. It's kind of a weird, crappy, like, squint and imagine the song kind of thing sometimes yeah. i'll rehash bits that didn't work but it, i mean it, then it, I'll it's go sort of the, yeah. macro improvisation i mean granular improvisation yeah there you go you could well, use i that. quite like it <laughs> yeah cheers was, um, well yeah it was, it was just sort of it's sort of just a, a way for me to deal with the way i play and what is cool about it you kind of forget where you've been so you do kind of strange chord changes often because you think uh. oh you don't really remember it's like this stream of consciousness kind of thing but also sometimes literally i'll make a breakfast okay <laughs> or like there'll be a big pause between one part and the next so i'll just sort of kind of surprise myself with crazy key shifts and stuff and then i'll put the whole thing into you know pro tools or ableton or whatever and then i'll put a grid on and i'll time it all and then i'll see what the song is as it were you know to a meter and so there is a version of this song which i should really dig up i should have done that ahead of time really uh that is that there was a Time when I was I, I, I sat on that for a while, and then when UAD hit me, I was like, that song would be perfect because it's kind of that mood. But I left it in this quite scrappy state, so I was a little nervous, like, oh, I've got to turn it into something a bit more like a song. But it, so basically, I, mean, I got this guitarist over, and we kind of fleshed it out on the spot. You know, and it was just two mics in the room, and I insisted. Well, actually, it was kind of we worked out that I had to sing as he was playing because it was part of the way it was working. So I plugged one. It was two U47s, one upstairs. I'm lucky enough to have two. There's one upstairs and one downstairs, and I had his amp downstairs. Got like a little dry room downstairs. It's like an old wine cellar. I just had the amp down there, so he could play in the room with me. There wasn't enough. There wasn't much bleed. And uh, it was just in the headphones, and it's just a take because that was the only way we could get the push pull feeling like an old 
you know, classic. Oh, old, yeah, old cla- I mean, it's so. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, the vo- the vocal sound. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm unsurprised that it was a, a, a U47 or a C12 or something like because it's 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 dripping. It without the reverb, yeah. it's got that kind of liquid quality, and because it's so intimate. I mean, were you were you? Yeah, I mean, were you really close up on it? Because I know, I mean, you're a very, very uh, experienced singer. Were you using technique a lot to get that kind of? Because some no. of the stuff is really <laughs> I wasn't. Wow. No, I mean, I really wasn't. I mean, I was kind of. Um, I mean, maybe I was leaning in for for words I knew were going to get lost. I did a couple of overdubs. There was a couple of phrases I didn't like, and that was making me nervous because I was like, "Oh, we're going to have to punch in and." It's crazy. Then you forget. You think, oh, I'm the same. The mic's the same. The preamp's the same. Everything's the same. So surprise, surprise, it's just completely seamless. <laughs> so, on the, well, on the same they, uh, they, was it on the same day you did the overdubs as well? Because that, that might change. No, it's the next day. It's the wow. next day. Yeah. and I, But, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's in a way doing a ballad, I think, for a lot of singers. It's kind of like um, a luxury, you know. It's kind of like when you really get to to sing. I mean, it's definitely a vulnerable state, but it's also a really pleasurable state, you know. Because and also, with these kinds of songs are quiet, so mics like the U forty seven are loving it because they don't like a high. You know, that's when oh, they yeah, just yeah. pick up every detail when the pre is really open and. Just the whole thing. I mean, you know, I, although I got a good comment from a friend of mine who's like, I love the track, man. I was like, yeah, you know, it's just a U47 into a 312. He goes, it's not the mic, dude. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's good, good song. And I was like, oh, yeah. So well, anyway. I mean, the because the, the comments, all the said. comments all over. I mean, it's like you know. The, so I mean, just to go back to the technology. I mean, this isn't supposed to be an ad for Universal Audio, but it's the idea of this is yeah. really that the concept is. When you hear that sound, it's so familiar, isn't it? And the cap- those capital uh, uh, chambers, I think there's eight of them underneath the bill. And I've never, I, I was searching, to, researching for this interview. I was thinking, oh, I, I'm sure I'll find somebody who's done that, been down there and shoot shot some video of it. Literally, I found one article where there were some links to, oh, you'll you'll see it in this tour. And they've all been deleted off YouTube. They, you cannot find no, any reference to them. Anyway, yeah, is it really that? Have you been the there? The designs are secret, yeah. That I have been there. I haven't been in the chambers, but yeah, there there's other chambers like that and they never let you take pictures in there. I've had the same thing. It's uh it's a it's a secret. Well, it, it's it's bizarre, the isn't it? Is- yeah. Well, because so, Les Paul uh, when they, I mean, there's a picture here on the actual UAD website. I mean, this is there. This is before they built the building on top of it. That's a massive, great hole with the layout for. Uh, I wonder if I can zoom that in a bit with the layout for the. <laughs> what a nutter, man! Yeah, I mean, that's that's oh, a lot of. You're having a shit. lot of faith right there, aren't you? With a guy. So these eight chambers, they're totally. all very different. I mean, but what? Wow, what man, a genius! But and and the the concept of this kind of architectural um, uniqueness. You know, it takes yeah. the sound, you know, because that was the sound of Capitol Records. It was Sinatra. It was Nat King Cole. Uh, I don't know if, yep. uh, did did did, um, did Chet Baker do it there as well? I'm not sure. But, I mean, loads and loads and loads Good of people. Question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it is bizarre. What an amazing, <laughs> you know, conversation you'd have with uh, your spouse. Now, listen, I know this is extravagant. <laughs> the house is a thousand square feet, but the chambers, right? It's going to be five thousand square feet of chambers. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
Just the sound. I mean, they're just dedicated to sound. It's quite a a churchy vibe in a way, isn't it? It's like they they are just these empty spaces. It's just kind of it's kind of spooky in a way when you're in an echo chamber. They've got some here at Sound Emporium in Nashville that are pretty good. They're very humble compared to those in the capital. And they have good ones at Ocean Way too. And I've jumped in, opened the door. They often have little doorways you open up and you can go, Way! And then it kind of goes, Way! Basically. Oh, I should have left that on, oh, shouldn't I? Yeah, because okay, you've got... Oi! Obviously, yeah. you say, Oi. So you're going through, obviously, that's not the U47 you're using there, though. So uh, it, it's not quite the same. This thing, is Robert. a brown. No, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it really crazy when I finally got the plug-in. It was what's really cool about the plug-in to give them more props because obviously they did a fine job. Not that I actually can really f- compare to Capital because I don't know the sound of the chambers, but these sound so cool and the most fun thing for me is to sing through it in real time kind of it's it's one thing putting it on as a plug-in after and you think oh that does sound really good but when you're singing in real time it's it's really you can really, and that's what's interesting so so take us through the, the rest of the process so essentially they call you up they say you know do yeah. you fancy having a go at this i mean because you you have a, a long relationship with you universal audio anyway um then, do, yeah. so you you sent a demo in without the reverbs on, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I I plonked an altiverb on, I think, and um, you know, it sounded okay. Uh, it didn't. It definitely did not sound anywhere like this. And I, to be honest, I didn't compress anything. I literally had two mics with just pre's because um, uh, I just thought, let's do it. Let's see if I can pull that off. Because you know, I felt like. That's then we then both of us, me and the guitarist Chancey, uh, we've got to play with the correct dynamics as it goes down, really. But then what happened was a character at UA also mixed this, um, and then it was, and then um, and then they kind of hit me back saying, "This is great, but we'd love some violin," because Al Schmidt was talking about just how great the violin sounds through the chambers, and I was like, ah. Oh, uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know any violinists, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't. So they actually sourced a character that you're familiar with. Yeah, David Rossi, who is, uh, yeah. he he was involved in the touring and the, the performing, uh, a lot of the golf rap stuff, early golf rap stuff. Uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's now moved to, I think he lives in LA now because he was in... Uh, Denmark, I can't remember. Copenhagen, I think he was, or Stockholm, I forget which. I can't remember where, which of those countries. And he's moved there and he's now doing orchestration and kind of really kind of, you know, things are working out for him. In fact, the last time we saw him was at a UA gig where they were demonstrating the Apollo, the new Apollo 16, was it? Uh, the Apollo X, yeah, the Apollo X. And uh, that, yep. and they they basically he orchestrated the the, the orchestra thing because we did a little documentary on it. It was great to bump into him, and it sounded. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh god, I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. he's getting getting he moving it. around. You know, moving around a bit. Yeah. So um, a couple of other LA things. Style, man. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of other things. <laughs> so your, I mean, your singing style generally is a bit more upfront and kind of more. There's more volume to it. You generally more more. I would say. I mean, I mean, I am generalising, but you generally shouter. sing with a bit more power 
So this is quite, I mean, was this it's, so it's quite a scary kind of concept to have to sing that quiet and that up front. I mean, you must, were you kind of crapping it when you sent the demo off and thought, are they going to get this or are they just going to go, are you having a laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, there was a little bit of that. I mean, I really hoped that they would feel it because when I put it down, I thought, oh, that's, I feel like that's a good bit of music and I'm, I'm kind of hard to please these days. I guess I do a lot of co-writes and I guess this is kind of an antidote to a lot of the stuff that I do, to be honest. Mm. It's a bit, I've been listening to a lot of Nina Simone. I've been listening to a lot of that just in my life. You know what I mean? So, and I tend to anyway. So yeah, having a song, my wife wrote the lyrics to this song. That's another thing that's kind of important about this. So in fact, we've worked a lot together. We did along my last record. She did the vast majority of the lyrics and I love that combination. So when I had those words to work with, I knew that they were weighty and, yeah. and that's the thing. I, I just thought it can't be, I can't do it any other way. So sometimes I don't know. I just follow what feels right. And um, it was, no, you're right though. Going back to your point. <laughs> when I sent the email, I was like, I actually really don't know how this is going to go down. And they were so into it. It was like a, it was really sweet. Actually, it made me think, I don't know, it gave me this kind of cosmic nod of like, I felt it was good. Yeah, and, well, you, and, you, and you always it, say three out of three. Felt, it's three out of three, isn't it? It's the, uh, it's yeah. the, uh, it's yourself. <laughs> if the, it's you, well, two out of three is usually good enough. So yourself, right. the client, yeah. the record company, to any two of those right. is, 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 is <laughs> you know, is generally adequate. But three yeah. out of three is even better. Yeah, no, that's right. It was just a really, it, what was really bizarre about it as well. I got the call and then I did the song, I think, either the same day or the next day and sent it. So it was a crazy quick turnaround. I was like, wow. and that that was it. We never revisited it. There was no notes. There was nothing. The first version I sent, that was it. That's what you hear. Two tracks. One night, one take, two tracks. Bam. Old school. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but coming from yeah, really Nashville, coming right from here, Nashville, that's the that's the yeah, classic, right? isn't it? I mean, it's like I always I've qualified. Well, I've, yeah, I'm it, here. <laughs> I told that. Yeah. So was it a Telecaster? It sounded like a Strat, but it, was it a Tele? Ooh, good question. It should have been it a Tele. Oh shit! Yeah, no, you're right. No, should you're be. Right. It should it be. A te- well, let's pretend it's a Tele. I think it maybe was a Tele actually. Yeah, yeah, because it's Nashville. But I remember, in fact. Going back to the golf rap connection, I remember um, when we we used to go to Summer Nam at Nashville, and it was uh, it was great. Um, I used to really enjoy it because it's the thing about Nashville. I mean, you know, you're there at the moment. Is that it feels like the city is built on music, whereas LA feels like it's sort of been bolted on afterwards you know so whereas nashville feels like that is the heart of it and we were i was in deep into a golf rap album mm-hmm. at the time and that's very meticulous and very you know finickety and and daw and slicing and snipping and all of that stuff and we went to this uh, event uh, well yes no it's just a different way of working but we went to this uh this get this place uh it was one of the sony kind of country music places where they were launching something and i spoke to one of the engineers and they said yeah so uh the songwriter and the band come in in the morning they work through the tunes and then we record the album in the afternoon and it's done and i was just like <clears throat> and that's yeah. that's cool so you're following that tradition that is you know, cool. yeah i mean it does feel really good i mean obviously the fewer players and the fewer moving parts you know the easier not necessarily yeah i mean Maybe. 
in a way, yeah, there's a lot of things that can, you know, interrupt everything. But uh, in this case, I love working with this guy, Chansey, in, in Nashville, Chansey. And, uh, yeah, just working out the song with him was also part of the buzz because it was in this bare bones situation. So really the the most amount of time was just converting my crazy demo this pretty pretty scrappling into something that he could actually understand and play right you know in a repeatable way but also i didn't want him to have nailed it too much because i i think that the delicate precariousness of him sort of being in that state gave the song something and i think the more we got it refined the worse it would have been you know ah yeah so it's that that funny thing it's that sort of jazz improvisational vibe as well. I'm going to play a little bit more. Yeah. It's just because it's... Uh, yeah, cool. And you were mine There in a dream Nothing was the way it seemed Together in space when I could still caress your face I'll never smell your skin I'll never kiss your mouth again I cannot hold you anymore. So I can't think of another demo. I can't. I can't think of another demo. Where, you know, because the thing is, is this, this is something I always find as well. Um, I might review yeah. a synthesizer that I think is, you know, it's all right. It's not. It hasn't blown me away. <laughs> but I might just. I might just come up with a riff at the end that's actually, you know, quite kicking, and it's like, oh, that sounds nice. It's a nice riff. But that seems to apply yeah. itself. It applies itself to the gear. So people remember the synth as being really good because it might have had just one little musical thing that made it yes. work. Whereas in this instance, it, it seems like a really beautiful kind of. It's it's not one over the other. You know, you've you've got a great piece of music, a lovely song, and it it's really spoken to people. I mean, the comments on that you must have yeah. you, you must have checked them out. I mean, there people are just all over it. Are you going to release it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yesterday. Uh, well, so yeah, so Sunday I popped it up on um, TuneCore. So it should be available. And what's nice, it was mixed by a guy called Ben Lindell. So Did James another Lindell. dimension. Oh, excuse me. Awesome. That's <laughs> another awesome. Another dimension. That was amazing. Um, I mentioned flying in was pretty sweet. Yeah, so props to Ben Lindell because uh, I did send him a very uncompressed situation with no effects, and he did a nice job. And also, it's been mastered by a guy called Iron Shifchik. Shifchik, who who is the guy behind Magic Death Eye, a crazy company wow. that makes some very, very fine gear. And beautifully enough, it was mastered at Capital. So he is the head mastering engineer at Capital currently. And a guy who I met through Greg Wells, he makes one of the finest compressors that money can buy currently the uh, and, and almost impossible to buy because he hand winds the transformers. Oh, crikey, that's... So the thing the waiting list is about 
least six to eight months. But um, marvelous guy, and uh, yeah, so it's, I'm really happy with the way it came out. So good team. I mean, that's the thing. Well, um, good, when good, the when and also when the magic happens like that, it becomes more than the sum of its parts. It takes on its own trajectory, and it's in a weird way. I'm I'm trying to think of other instances where the music has kind of transcend. You know, it starts off as essentially a, a demo for a piece of equipment, and it transcends that. You know, c- mm-hmm. imagine imagine if this kind of got really big and became something other than what it's what it was designed for I, I can't think of any other instance where that might have happened you know a tune broke through youtube being a, a demo for a yeah. plugin that would be that would be the first <laughs> time right yeah yeah i mean hey man it's uh, 2019 it's all it's all possible i mean that's the thing i think just getting opportunities that sometimes you know it is i knew that this would be a good platform hey look i mean uad they have the attention of a lot of the kind of people that I like, you know, music yeah. makers, uh, some of my favorite people. My wife is always laughing at me because she's like, I say, yeah, no, I, lo- I like lots of people. She goes, no, you just like musicians. And and I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. I just like musicians. <laughs> so it's kind of like, so basically the kind of people. You're speaking that, to the right people. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So I feel like in a way. And it's a little bit of respect for for the chambers, you know. I, I had respect. I had this. I had this thing in the back of my mind, like maybe Al Schmidt will like hear this. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to let him down because, like, I don't, you know, it's just kind of like that. I felt the the legacy a little bit on my on my shoulders. It's, re- it's more really more than a, a company, you know. Yeah, I know. It's re- and I think it's really interesting. There are a couple of points that I wanted to pick up on there. Actually, I mean, the, you know, back going back to this kind of concept that the studio building itself is the essence of a whole genre and a whole sound. I mean, you cannot, I mean, now you can access, you know, this uh, via via the plugin, yeah. but previous to this, it's like the only way you can get that is by going there. And it's a really busy studio capital, isn't it? I mean, it's like totally yeah. sold out the whole time. Do, have you ever been in the building? Have you kind of uh, entered the hallowed I halls? Have. Yeah, yeah, I have. Although never to record, I don't think. I might have done a little bit of, weird promo or something there but yeah never to do anything um substantial my friend moki did a great album there um relatively recently with a bunch of players and i think you know they did it in the old way they just had a day and just went in spent the money and got a great sound it's like that's what you do i think if you're ready with your yeah shit yeah and you have enough people to kind of justify it in a way yeah, I don't think there's anything like it really, and that, I, can't I do imagine. love that about those studios. That's the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, it's that for the for the kind of the perhaps the newbie or the inexperienced, that legacy and that whole thing is all of these people here know what the what you're what they're doing. Do you? I mean, how that's quite that's quite a kind of terrifying scenario if you're perhaps not one hundred percent. LA confident, you know, and you kind of, maybe you're singing an introspective tune that's all about, you know, your self doubts and whatnot. And you go into there. I mean, it must be quite difficult to, to do that in within that environment. You see what I mean? It's almost like, yeah, a, a, really, a, I feel that I feel, I do feel that. And Hey, I mean, I, I, I've done that. I mean, that, that exact thing has happened to me before. I've, I've, I'm did an album with Beck in 2010 and, you know, we spent a lot of money and I, I was feeling the pressure of how much it was costing to be in Oceanway, similar, you know, studio in LA, like crazy, beautiful place. 
And uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I tried my best, you know, to deliver takes and some of them ended up on the album, but I, I, I know I, that's the thing. I, I had it recently with um, working with Alan Stone. We kind of backloaded a lot of the lead vocals to a couple of days and I, he did great. I mean, he's awesome, but I still felt the pressure of like, oh, wow, he's really got to deliver these vocals now. And it's quite a weird thing. <laughs> yeah this is a weird thing we well, did a lot very, of them again here yeah I mean, just sometimes it's better to do them at home I, I agree i mean it's very different but i mean you think back to those kind of big characters i mean sinatra and uh Nat King Cole, oh, all these people yeah. who were Great. just just vote they weren't writers they, they were vocalists and that was it was also all about projecting that that essence of cool and that you know that it to an audience and to people so i mean i guess in in many ways they're capturing not just the voice but the whole ability to deal with that amount of pressure and still deliver something yeah. special. That's actually really a good point. That's part of the old school showbiz thing. Like there's no, today there's a lot of ways to hide, uh, you know, which is cool. It's made for some different kind of art for sure. But I mean, back in those days, the expectation on a performer and a musician was completely different. You know, you, if you said you were a musician, <laughs> there was a certain be. kind of expectation. <laughs> yeah. So when you walk in that room, I, I kind of, it's taken me back to thinking about Quincy talk um, about Rod Temperton talking about when he wrote songs for MJ back in the day and Quincy had assembled a band. Like Rod just kind of walked in off the plane all like knackered and, Quincy was like, all right, guys, hit it. And this, of course, this top-level nutters from L.A. just killing the song. It's just like, bro, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> that's done. I mean, just crazy. This, when you've got people of a certain level, you kind of almost can't believe the talent. It's like there's an awful lot of it in L.A. and around everywhere. But, I mean, man. And I think Frank Sinatra, he had like a really fragile voice, didn't he? Sometimes he just couldn't do it you know really so yeah i think yeah i think he's he kind of had his bad All days party in. i mean you know yeah yeah i mean that's the thing man yeah we were going to try this as well we're going to try a little bit of technical uh jiggery pokery because uh oh um, yeah Shall jamie's gonna jamie's gonna show us hopefully we're gonna be he's gonna just take a little look around and will you be able to show us the, the preamps and whatnot that was that was used in your recording is that something that you've got available to yeah to point your camera but yes well you know uh, why not yeah okay, here we go so ultimately look it's even still there see that all right, so APIs. They are C API. Uh, it's a guy here in Nashville, actually, um, Cappy. These are based around the uh, the Hyder version of the 312. Wally Hyder, uh, you know, pretty the simple APIs, essentially, really, really cool. And so there you, there you go. <laughs> that was the pre. I've got some funny bits in the studio at the moment. Oh, let's have a look. This guy yes. in, in time, um, this guy retro gear, like this, for example. Oh, is that the uh, the coma field kit? And this. Oh, that. Oh, sorry. Right. The 3 And the... yes. Ah, interesting. It's called The Beast. I think there's only five of these. Like a that... heavily modded 303, a bit like the Devilfish, but like a... I haven't even turned it on, to be honest. Um... Yeah, I've got too many things going on. The whole studio is actually being shifted around because I'm getting a new table 
this is why everything is kind of nuts. But yeah, I do have a lot of modular gear coming in. In you've begun. Currently, you've, you've started that journey. What was it that? T- what yes. was it that? That took. What was it that switched that? Uh, decided it for you because you i remember I know, actually. a couple of times a couple know. of times on the show it was like yeah no i can't get into that it's not, it's not. <laughs> and there we are oh yeah i'm glad i did it to be honest um it's my world you know i've i spent 20 years with since so you know you're the same you know you spent so long with this shit i thought i wouldn't know what i was doing but i know what i'm doing it's more like you get modules that have a lot of menu diving and a lot of features, and then you're a bit like, oh fuck, because you just got to go back to the manual all the time and be like, How yeah, it's not access? that's not much fun. No, that's the thing. I kind of did buy some pretty feature-heavy modules, and I kind of, I kind of regret those, and I kind of like use the surge and the really pure shit more. Yeah, and just go, ah, oh, this is this is the rush. Have you, have you tried the Pittsburgh so, stuff? The Pittsburgh oscillators sound no. really really good. They they've they've got that kind of oscillator charisma if there's such a thing yeah uh, yeah no I, t- I do know what you mean so yeah and no, i've got all that going and uh you know did you, yeah, did, the whole studios did you have a publish on did you have a publish on did you oh, say you yeah. got, can we i want to see what that looks like because i don't think i've ever seen if, if it's available oh they are they are hilarious look which see one that? is that the, the top one is that the top one? Oh god this this one okay Crikey. It kind of looks like Video an H- audio computer. Sort of looks like the yeah, pre- H3000. Looks- yeah. It's like a cross Boy, between a, an H3000 and a, um, a, a Quantec room simulator in terms of styling. Yeah, same era. Yeah. Then, of course, my time modulator, the AMS H8000, which is quite fun. Uh, some old gear in here. I could have used this. These on the Vogue, these are nice. Quad eights. I've got a lot of preamps. I've got like V72s. Oh, uh, lovely. Uh, yeah, I usually run the vocal through a little bit of, you know, stay level. I've got Calrex. This thing uh, yeah. is really cool. The old Altec King Tubby filter. My sound cards are here. I just got like. Triple Apollo and a satellite, and uh, and a Burl as well. This this old chap, and uh, the Avid Artist Mix, which I love to use in Ableton. It's an amazing MIDI controller. Uh, yeah, and then I've got all my mics. My mics are sort of everywhere. Here's See? one of the U forty seven. I tried to keep it in a uh, plastic for the water, you know. There it is. Ah, beautiful. Hey, hey. Yeah, they, they, they are very, very nice. I got, it was funny, actually. I, uh, I, I got lent two of them a while ago. And, you know, I, I was weird the guy lent me them. I was like, this is a bit weird. But he, he was a sort of salesman guy. <laughs> uh, I dropped one. And broke it. Oh my god! Yeah, whilst I was borrowing them, Ooh. not a great look. So uh, <clears throat> I sort of thought, ah, oh, fuck it. It's maybe this is an omen. I'll, I got it. Got it repaired by a crazy character in town that just treated the U forty seven like it was a 
bloody 58, slapped it on the desk and used to be the head tech for Blackbird in Nashville. So he had seen a lot of U47s and he didn't give a shit about U47s. <sighs> uh, so anyway, he fixed it. The tube had come unseated from its holding. Ah. And uh, that's what it was. Uh, so anyway, I, but I did dent it a little bit. So I thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to buy them. I bought, bought them both and just thought, this is an investment. If I, as long as I don't mess them up any further, and, you know, they're such clean ones, I thought, ah, it's good. So I've had these two U47s for ages. And, uh, well, I mean, incredible. It, it sounds absolutely great on your voice. Maybe we should switch back to... Uh, Switch back to yeah. front hand front camera now. So, get rid of that crap. There we go. Ah, oh, there we go. We're back. Yeah, and we're back in the room. Are so, we? Uh, yes. I had another question about you. So, you're writing lyrics. You're writing lyrics with your 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 wife writes the lyrics. It sounds like we've done a an, a lot together. We should do a lot more. Sometimes when these things happen, and I think, oh, well, I turned that song around in 24 hours and what am i doing <laughs> you know i should be doing this all the time there's those of these songs half finished i could give this much attention to it's only when someone like uad is giving me a deadline and i'm like oh i suppose i should maybe finish this thing then mm. you know what i mean and yeah. it, it's sort of a note to self like there's a lot of unfinished things that are probably worthy of a couple more hours of attention versus like trying to work out how to repatch some crazy anal bit of late 80s gear to go you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of time in this studio with a lot of toys just trying to work out what was wrong with this and i do a lot of maintenance and troubleshooting i'm like jesus what am i doing <laughs> that, first but that's and a, foremost i was singing yeah you know? yeah yeah well that but that's that i mean there's a certain aspect i mean i think there's an element of man and shed about any studio yeah because you know we all it's like the, it's like the wall with all the tools and the kind of little the pegboards where you put your pliers and add little you draw a line around it so they always go back in the same place you get the same sort of thing with workflow right. and with kind of systems so i mean it's, you know that's part of the appeal i i think to a degree I know. but it, it can become it can become the only thing that you end up doing as we know oh man it really can i remember having a studio in berlin in the funk house you know i had a studio there in the early 2000s 2002 two um i had a room there which was great but i was just i'd come in i'd do nothing i mean i was smoking a lot more weed in those days and it <laughs> definitely didn't help you know i just come in though i just dust the gear and i'd like plug it all in and kind of go oh why is that channel crackly let me do i'm just literally just doing stupid maintenance it was like a museum of gear most of it just in semi-functional states. And I was just like, this is lame. This is really pathetic, you know. In a way, it's a great argument for having an extremely minimal setup that is, you know, there's no gear to worry about at all. I mean, there, there is a part of me that is just like, what would happen if I just got rid of it all and, you know, had to live in the laptop and just make it work? I'd be like, I'd be fine. Totally do you think fine. do you think that process of uh doing the song arose and the way that it's been received has changed your opinion of that a little bit? I mean, yeah, I think what is interesting about these times possibly because we are bombarded with so much that it is quite refreshing to have minimalism, isn't it? It's sort of uh 
mm-hmm. you kind of know what you're dealing with. You can kind of judge the quality of things when there's almost nothing there. And and I think that helps me to know, for example, when to put the pen down on kind of when to think, oh, that feels like it's getting the emotion across. Let's just leave it alone. My mm. tendency often in the studio is just to keep layering. When you are surrounded with so many machines, it almost feels weird I've got to, to use, not yeah. use any of them. <laughs> yeah. He's got, oh, God, oh, God, I'm just going to use a mic. I mean, what? It kind of feels like I'm in the wrong, I'm not that guy. But at the same time, it's really, it is quite liberating just to kind of think, oh, well, okay what are the most important things and and let's get the other stuff just out out of your mind possibly out of the room i mean i yeah i i think i i definitely learned a lot just seeing what can happen if you do not get distracted <laughs> yeah but hey man a lot of stuff are you, i wouldn't want to generalize because i do i mean i've been i've been talking about this with my wife you know obviously getting the modular stuff is a bit like uh oh, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be, yeah, you know, talk about lost in the shed. I could easily just turn into, uh, you know, I'm I'm already a hermit. This could like part me because hermitize me permanently. But um, I am of the mindset. I love Raymond Scott, for example. Right. Love Raymond Scott, and I would truly love to sort of capitalize on. Because she was she was being encouraged. My wife's been encouraging me recently to think about how about I do shows where I just really keep it really stripped back and do a bunch of really kind of vulnerable material in a really simple way and just kind of be in that mode. And I'm like, yeah, that actually would be great, and I'm sure it'd be super fun and powerful and everything. But I was like, it just wouldn't be me to do a whole show like that. It's quite emotionally challenging, have. I would think, as well, wouldn't it? It's like you're yeah, bearing yeah. yourself. It's like, why why would you want to do that if you can have some machines helping well, out? Yeah. <laughs> now, that's not really the part of it that I'm worried about. Right. I actually would be more about how do you extend the mood and how do you recontextualize it and how do you how can you add to the emotion, you know, or over time? Because, mm. you know, having one song like this is great, but I wouldn't want to sit through myself a concert of an hour of that. You know, I'd want textures and tonal changes, you know, you know, different effects or whatever, but not. And sometimes, yeah, they, they could really be part of the arrangement. You know, I, I remember recently listening to that Johnny Greenwood kind of score for, what was it, Phantom? Oh fuck! His last score was really magic, and and I thought I, when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, it sounds like what he's done on this one is kind of literally written in the score. The sound of Phantom Thread is it? I'm just trying to. Find, I'm, I'm I'm on Wikipedia right now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, uh, I think it, it, it's like he took the sound of a of a of a of a of a, a synth going through like an AMS, like a pitch shifter and the way that, you know, the delayed feedback pitch shifts would be. And he kind of wrote that into the score. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like a really strange thing. To Phantom Thread. Yes, you're right. Phantom, Phantom Thread. Thread. And it's, yes. there's some really magic kind of conversions of studio mindset stuff to arrangement through acoustic instruments that for me was like, oh, this is a really cool 
new way from to think just to sort of take your expertise in one field and transpose it into another mm. basically think oh I, I love the sound of these pitch shifters but i don't want to use the pitch shifter i'll write the part to be this you know what i mean that's yeah. just a cool i don't know i just feel like there's always a, and with the raymond scott example i try as best i can to sort of give myself exercises so i won't just go to a module i never go to the modular system without a plan so i try to go up to it and go i'm gonna tonight i'm gonna try to work out how to make a polysynth work with these parameters and try to generate this this kind of line you know what i mean and so Mm. then i'll break the task down and on paper into like what elements i'm going to need and like basically try and chase it and 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 kind of i taking a little leaf out of you know that rem scott method because you hear him always talking like wow this is take nine you know this is the bongo part for you know what i mean and he's working out functional blocks to kind of add together because he knew that otherwise it's kind of like a weird lego puzzle yeah, yeah it's like a crazy yeah. building block thing and like i'm still confused how i'm gonna really do this um but I really want to make it a part of my it's, next. It's solo an interesting shit. thought. I mean, in in some ways, you know, you're you're talking yourself round to almost being back into Looper world, where you could build stuff on the fly and then construct and deconstruct and yeah. change those textures and do, which is where you kind of started out. So then maybe maybe because mm. I've been thinking the same thing myself, which is like, well, Ace, I go I go and play these little kind of uh, gigs around the place. Not not like big ones, just you know, uh, like open mic type things. I'll take one synth and a looper. That's yeah. it, and I'll build something on the on the spot, and that's oh, all man. I'm going to do. It's a beautiful thing. I mm. mean, hey, yeah, of course. I, uh, I, it would probably make sense. It, the only thing that's different about the the Raymond Scott method and the modular method for me, at least, because I'm not that fluent in it at the moment. Mm. It does take me time. Yeah. If I'm if i'm going to conceptualize a piece and i don't have enough modular gear to make it completely able to do everything the rhythm all the parts at the same time so probably i would take it in a more kind of almost a sample build no and i don't want to say that not really sample building i'd rather it be yeah I'd, i'd take a mindset of like i'm doing the rhythm section at the moment and I'm I'm putting my head into that mode and I'm going to track it and then I'll use that and then I'll clock to that and then I'll put the next layer on, you know. And uh, maybe I'll use vocal sketches to sort of see what's missing and uh, try and fill that in. But, yeah, it's all going to be new pioneering stuff. Well, that's you know, half the fun. Enjoying that's, the yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, that's half the fun. I've been enjoying it. And I haven't patched it in yet because I've got like a whole table coming <laughs> that I've, that's why the studio's in massive disarray i've taken everything down and out and uh i'm thinking god it still feels full in here I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah i would like possibly just to get a lot more stuff out but then you know well look you just put them on the shelves you can't reach and then they're kind of just yeah i know but that's a terrible bit of feng shui or whatever you call yeah, it, it you know it's oh, it? i don't know if that's good i think i don't know probably best just to have it out of the room okay and bring it in when you know yeah do, do you do that kind of stuff you must have loads of bits hanging around 
Yeah, we do have lots of stuff hanging around, and I try. I mean, I've got a table here where the synth that I'm currently looking at is what I'll be. You know, it'll be the focus. Yeah, and then it gets moved over there when it's time to you know shoot the thing. But I try get to know it. it this is the get to know area, and then that's the kind of the main the main area. So it, that's the yeah. way that works. But <laughs> but yeah. But what about your own personal stuff? I, yeah, this is it. I don't have anything outside of this. I mean, I have no, oh, I've right, got cool. none of this stuff at home. It's all here yeah, now. So, yeah, yeah. so and then, that's cool. And, yeah, but then I try. What I try and do is, I will try and uh, you know, if there's any music coming out of anything, I'll try and develop it very, very quickly, track it, and then you know, put it away and think about it. Isn't that funny time. though? Yeah, that's um, that's that's it. And I think doing the podcast and having made these connections with people in the modular thing, I knew it would be a bit like this. Some of the companies are very forthcoming in, in giving you modules for, you know, a shout and it's really amazing just to sort of, you know, to see a cottage industry makes me so happy. Part yeah. of the thing, reason I just love it so much is because you just know it's just one or two people or whatever, just toiling away and trying to do something good. And so literally you feel like you're directly interacting with them yeah. and their ideas. I just like that. And Yeah, uh, absolutely. So yeah, you build up this kind of thing, but the quickly then you just get kind of maybe there's this mindset of like, yeah, okay, well, great. Well, if they're up for this, maybe these guys will be up for it, you know, and then you end up with more and more and more and more stuff. And this mindset of like, that's going to help me achieve my end result. And I think it is a really tricky thing, just kind of knowing how much, it, you can really handle and how much is yeah. useful well you could go on, you can, exactly you could go on forever just just getting stuff and that's the way you know some people will operate yeah. some people get a lot of pleasure out of that and there's nothing wrong with it it's just not necessarily the most productive way to get creative output as we've, as we've said in the past brilliant well jamie thank you so much for uh sharing your thoughts about this and also uh for the that great work on a rose i mean it really is one of those magical moments where it all comes together and you get people just sort of really responding like you say emotionally to something that was essentially very simple but very powerful and that's that's kind of the essence of music right yeah well thank you yeah it really it was a, it was a, an intense and really kind of yeah joyful thing <laughs> just uh, like you said getting all the all of the all the, the boxes ticked and doing something that i really believed in and then having other people believe in it it's just a kind of i don't know it's a nice nod and i appreciate it you know the the kind words because it's it's you it can be quite lonely out there sometimes making stuff and uh just feedback is is a can be a, a beautiful thing i don't think you should live for it but uh it's it's definitely how can you deny that it's uh, a welcome thing? It's, it's Absolutely. Well, Jamie, thank you very much for talking to us. Uh, that was our Sonic Talk special featuring uh, the excellent Jamie Liddell. Uh, um, Want to say, well, we could do a twos up because only two of us we could say hey. wave off. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see yeah. you next time. Take care. Cheerio. So am I next to close the There was a rose, big and fragrant as it goes.